Welcome back to another episode of the Nothing But Nets podcast. I'm your host, Dave Early. This is a Clutch Points podcast about the Brooklyn Nets. With me, as always, co-host Greg Dennis. Greg, welcome back to the pod. Thanks, Dave. I'm just glad that we waited till today. We, I called you yesterday. We said, do we want to go on before the Grizzlies game? No. Let's see what happens tonight. And here we are on the official return of full-time Kyrie Irving to the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, this is the first time that we expect to see Kyrie full-time since probably like September. I remember uh, I, think I was reading a, an article about like Andrew Wiggins, about how he may not be eligible to play. And there's another city, not just San Francisco, but New York. And then it was your own Weitzman who was like, there might be a, a Nets player. Uh, maybe it was Nets training camp or media day when we learned a couple Nets. And I was thinking, I don't know if it would be anyone important. Didn't seem like a big deal. They were talking more about how like Kevin Durant was joking around with David Letterman. And then one week later, I was like, okay, he might be out for the year. <laughs> <laughs> right. I remember the um, headline was, now everyone's vaccinated, but we're confident that they will be by the time they need to be. Technically. One might argue that that was accurate because uh, the Nets are Ooh, I like obviously that. not not where they uh, could be. Some might say not where they should be, but they are alive, they're dangerous, and almost whole with the return of Kyrie Irving, who has just been on an absolute tear lately. Again, last night in Memphis, albeit in a loss. Um, continued on his torrid hot streak, perhaps, um, you know, inspired by the news that he must have known was coming down the pike. Well, yeah, I believe, I believe we heard all the updates around 6 p.m. Tip-off wasn't until maybe 7.30 or 8. So they knew. They knew. Um, they, they refused, you know, in the Pulse game, they refused to whoop their chickens before they hatched. You know, they like they took the company line. Steve Nash came out and said, we know what he means to this team, but we're not prepared until anything's official. Kyrie Irving was like on his way down to the podium. He was like, no hypotheticals, y'all. I'm not going to answer any hypotheticals. And then obviously reporters tried to get some sort of reaction out of him. And he was like, you didn't hear what I said on my way down here? You didn't hear? Obviously, you didn't hear what I said. <laughs> um <laughs> And then- yeah, I mean, that's, um, you know, I, I, I wonder, obviously, Kyrie was great last night. KD was great last night. But when, you, when a story like this breaks and the whole team, that's been, they've been waiting on this and waiting on this, and then it finally happens, how much of that do you think contributed to kind of the lackluster performance by most of the team last night? I mean, they lost last night. I'm almost tempted to write it off as kind of like a, you know what, like, the like, how can we really focus on this game? We just got Kyrie Irving back. Yeah, I was trying to put myself in their shoes. I did feel like there was a little bit of that letdown when he came back as a part-time player, like, all right, at least this, and then, you know, something will change by playoff time. Maybe they'll change the rules. Um, maybe they'll get a plant-based vax we used to talk about. <laughs> so I thought there was a similar right. letdown. I, I, you know, I watched, I'm not sure that it was there last night. I thought they played pretty hard. Uh, you know, the superstars were totally locked in. 
Um, the way Steve Nash put it after the game was they were completely out physical at every single position. So if you were looking for the quick narrative that they just were just happy to be there, maybe they just didn't want to get hurt. I, I didn't really see that watching the game. I thought they really tried to win. They, they fell into this big hole. Obviously, no John Morant makes it a lot easier, but they fell in a big hole. They climbed all the way back, and then they were out of gas, it looked like. And that's how the coach put it after the game. They ran out of gas. Um, I think that's more the case. Maybe they miss Seth Curry. Uh, maybe Andre Drummond's still get, getting over his non-COVID illness. He said he took a booster, I believe, and it gave it left him feeling under the weather. So, Yeah, I, be- I believe that that's why, he, that's why he missed at least one game. Um, so yeah, you're right. I mean, they definitely could have used some really anyone to step up last night outside of, uh, outside of Kyrie and Durant, everyone pretty much had a bad game. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree with you. The Grizzlies are also really good. I mean, they're, I think 15 and two without John Morant, they play well at home and they really don't take any nights off. So Tough loss. This but. guy, this guy, Jaron Jackson Jr. is an absolute monster. You know the way he could control the paint uh, and protect the rim from the weak side. He could come from anywhere and block your shot. Like you think you got a layup because he was protecting a three pointer, three point sniper on the opposite side of the court, and he comes and gets a block. And I'm like, wait, who did that? That was him. And then a play later, he'll take a switch and he'll actually stay in front of Kyrie and just force a tough shot. Uh, and then on the other end, he he made Kevin Durant look very thin, bullying him for a dunk, right? Yeah, you know, I have to say, uh, I confess, I haven't seen a lot of Grizzlies game this year, Grizzlies games, but I have heard numerous people throw his name in there for Defensive Player of the Year candidate. And I was thinking, like, really? I, I mean, that's not how I think of Jaron Jackson, but... Watching him last night, I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. He can he can literally do anything on the defensive side of the court and um, can shoot. I remember when we were kind of watching him come out of college, a lot of people kind of questioned what his role would be, what position he is, but he's really found his way in Memphis, and they have a really good young team. You could tell the chemistry is great. They're really well coached. Um, Desmond Bain, another guy, even though it was killing me that the Nets were giving him so many open looks last night, didn't understand that, but he's really good as well. So yeah, Bain, they hit, they hit on that one. Jaron, you know, he had so much defensive upside coming out of Michigan state, I believe, you know, in theory, he had it all in theory, but he hadn't put it on paper yet. And he got a lot of injuries. Um, but it's it's now coming to life, uh, and yeah, he's just a, he's just a monster. Really good team, tough loss, but you know everyone's in good spirits because they refused to to say anything officially yesterday. But today it is actually official. The mayor has spoken. He's granted an exception for unvaccinated performers and athletes to play in New York City. Uh, he said, like we had been treating players differently and talked about a disadvantage, how, you know, uh, unvaccinated athletes from other cities could come here while our athletes had to sit and watch. That was a loophole many people could get behind. You know, like if you're a Nets fan and you're watching Bradley Beal or Justin Holiday come to Barclay Center and play and beat the Nets, you're like, how does this make sense? 
even if you're not a Nets fan, you could understand how that's a little bit weird. Back in November, back in December, I don't think people were outraged because the COVID numbers were still high. So it was like, all right, but like you're asking us to what? Pull back on the reins in terms of health and safety protocol. Obviously, that changed as first the Omicron spread through vaccinated players like wildfire and then a combination of the vaccines, the boosters and natural immunity, the numbers decreased. We got to a place where that rule started to felt feel weirder and weirder. Kyrie shows up at a game as a spectator without a mask and you're like, all right, what's going on here? Durant calls out the mayor. Fast forward to today and you can play sports despite not being vaccinated. You cannot be a stadium worker still in some of these venues. You cannot be a teacher. Those people, those 14 130 people who lost their jobs, uh, they are not getting their jobs back. So, you know, they might have tamped out one loophole, but they've opened up a few others for for some people to feel pretty frustrated about. Yeah, you said New York athletes were being treated differently because away players could come in unvaccinated and play, and they couldn't. And the truth is they still are being treated differently not from other athletes, but from regular citizens in New York City, because um, while they're being given an an exemption, uh, everyone else is not. So, you know, give Mayor Adams credit. He followed the science and it led him to opening day of baseball. (laughs) And here we are. And he has determined that uh, the Yankees and Mets our need to play and need to have hundred percent participation. So here we are. Kyrie Irving is a benefactor and uh, nothing, not a lot of things have not made sense over the last year of the last two years. So this may be one more. I sympathize to some extent, but I mostly uh, feel bad for people. Like you said, the teachers, the stadium workers, normal people who have, not been able to return to work or have been compromised based on their decisions. And now you're seeing um, athletes and entertainers get the, uh, get the okay to move forward. So it's not fair. Life's not fair. Plenty to unpack. If you did not want the vaccine, but you got it because of a mandate, you might be thinking, Oh, come on. If I was like this filthy rich basketball player, I could have avoided the vaccine. If you were someone who lost their job because you refused to get the vaccine, um, you might be very angry watching this preferential treatment happen, which is ironic because those are the people that Kyrie Irving claims that he took his stand for in the first place. So if you said, hey, I love this. Kyrie has my back. He's not getting vaccine, getting vaccinated. He's he hates these mandates that cost me my job. And now you're going to watch him play. Is there a part of you? If you were one of those stadium workers, if you were one of those education workers who is going to say, he sh- if he really has our back, he will not play now, even though he can. Otherwise, he's receiving some preferential treatment that, uh, that further casts us in a light as disadvantaged. So plenty of people. I think it's feel- a fair question to ask. I, w- I, would, I would just say, in Kyrie's defense, he's paid a tremendous price for making the decision that he made. financially. Um, being the center of criticism, his team has suffered for it. So yes, he's getting to play again, but he's spoken out. He's spoken up for a lot of people and um, he's paid a price. So 
I don't know. Personally, I, I don't, I can't put myself in anyone else's shoes, but I'd like to think that it won't be held against them by the people that he has wanted to represent in part by making that decision. Yeah, I think I look at it sometimes like 89% of people in New York State who are VAX eligible got at least one shot. So they look at the people who lost their jobs, you know, 1,400 people in February. They're probably not outraged that when they send their children to school, their teacher is not vaccinated, you know, they can't work. Like they probably want those teachers to be vaccinated because they care about their kids, et cetera. Um, it's a pretty complicated thing. You might say, oh, I get it. It's unfair that those teachers lost their jobs and Kyrie Irving could play, but I also kind of don't mind that my kid's teacher is vaccinated and has to be. Um, if you were on the other side of that, there's, there's more to be mad about for sure, because it's a sort of a class issue the way the mayor phrased it, I think, was this is about putting New York athletes on a level playing field. We, we're treating our performers differently because they live and play in New York City. A small number of people have an outsized impact on our economy. So, you know, these five players are worth <laughs> billions to our city, basically, you know, ticket sales, local revenue, things like that. Well, at least he's being honest about that part of it. But you know, the implication on the other side is, is that this isn't really about people's safety, if that's the case, or yeah, if it is about the science, I don't think it is. He claimed it's, it wasn't about pressure. I don't think that's true. I think it has a lot to do with economy. He did admit that, but he said he wasn't pressured, but I think he was pressured a lot by baseball and their impact on the economy. Definitely. And, you know, the other question is just politically, you know, what, what kind of plays well, but, but, you know, you mentioned, should people feel a certain way about Kyrie Irving specifically getting to return to the Nets before many people in his situation didn't. And to make a, to make an analogy, if you and I went to prison for the same, for the same thing, and they offered you to leave a year before me, six months before me, I would not hold it against you for going. For, for, you know, moving on, I would expect that you would. I would just appreciate that you spoke out for me. So that's, that's where I'll leave it. Right. And, and would you, and if you had access to a television, would you watch me play sports or do podcasts while you were still in jail? I mean, you know, I have to see what else is on, but I assume <laughs> that, the... <laughs> no, I, I, I would, I would have a lot of time to kill and I would be consuming all of the Nets content that I possibly could. Uh, another interesting thing. So I'm reading ESPN. June Lee has an article talking about Yankees president. Randy Levine said one of the driving factors for the teams to lobby city hall was the economic impact on the neighborhoods around Yankee stadium and city field. Mets president Sandy Alderson said, because the Mets are a vaccine mandated employer, those who work for the team who did not comply were fired. When asked why unvaccinated team employees were fired, but unvaccinated athletes can now play, Alderson pointed to the players union, which protects athletes because of the players union, they fall outside of our mandate. Do you find that interesting that a union protects, you know, superstars, Aaron Judge, Kyrie Irving, but doesn't protect, you know, the people who work in those stadiums, essentially? Yeah, it's hard to know what to make of that. Is this the, their way of 
uh, absolving themselves from responsibility because obviously teachers have unions, right? Um, So do, so do city workers. So I don't know how much it is that, but, you know, interesting, interesting fact, nonetheless, uh, not really sure what to make of it. Don't know what's political speak, what's kind of passing the buck of blame to someone else. But one way or another, let's just be happy that things seem to be moving in the right direction. Kyrie Irving is back in time and, um, you know, things are starting to look up for the Nets and for New York City in general. And the infection numbers are actually on an upswing over the last 10 days with this, what is it, BN2 variant or whatever. Um, so you wonder if this came just in the nick of time. There was even mentioned like that they could pull back some of the you know, lessening of the restrictions that they've already done. So all it would take would be like one new variant that's putting people in hospitals where they'd have to revisit a lot of this stuff. So it still kind of feels fluid in some ways, but knowing that opening day is April 7th and the, the NBA play in is April 12th, you will see Kyrie Irving out there. There's like nine games remaining as we record and he'll be eligible to play in all of them. First they're in their Miami and then he could make his debut against LaMelo and the Hornets with some playing implications for that one. Yeah, that's interesting. I do think it'll be hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube once it's out. Like if they're going to, you know, because the numbers may go up, but then it becomes, well, okay, so what about the people who were vaccinated but didn't get a booster shot? What about the people who never got the vaccine? What about the people? I don't know. It just seems like there'd be a lot of moving parts even. But, of course, anything can happen. That's one thing we've learned. So we'll see how it goes. We still got to get through the play-in, as you mentioned. I saw, you know, the Nets really had a chance to pick up a game last night. I saw the Hawks lost. Um, Toronto, obviously, is within reach. And so, you know, each game, more and more important down the stretch. But the Nets seem positioned well to get into a place where, assuming they don't have to go to Toronto, and even if they do, I think that they're they're looking pretty good. They're a very scary team right now. Just heard today, right before we jumped on, that there still is optimism, if not expectation, that Ben Simmons will play at some point. And after watching James Johnson last night, I just have to say that uh, that cannot come soon enough. Yeah, so I would say there is a – what is it, a – a cascade of good things for the Nets here in that Kyrie Irving being, you know, playing in all these games, not only improves their chances to avoid some of the worst case scenarios, even if they did have to go to Toronto, there's the chance that they could win that game without him. And then there's the chance that they won't lose the game. The next one, the subsequent one where they would host, because now they'd have him hosting someone like Atlanta or Charlotte, who will get a look at in a couple of days. Uh, and then, you know, Miami, who is the front runner for the one seed, they just had a big fight in disarray. Eric Spolester after the game joked, oh, no, don't worry. We were just jo- wondering, like, where we were going to eat dinner as a team after the game. Um, wouldn't, no longer a, a terribly daunting matchup. They had to go there. And then, as you mentioned, with Ben Simmons, who has no, no timeline still to return, they did say he had a herniated disc. I don't know if that is something they found in 2020 when he hurt his back with the Sixers 
And the Nets saw that on an MRI and said, that's no big deal because he played all through 2021, no problem. Or is, did he just herniate it? In which case we might think this isn't just a flare up. This is a new herniation. He's out for the year. But Champs Charania came on today and said there's still expectation, there's still optimism that he plays at some point this season. And I don't think he specifically meant regular season. I think he meant at all. The longer Kyrie's out there, the more games they win, the more chance Ben has to get right. Um, the more Seth Curry has a chance to get over his ankle issue. Um, the longer this team stays alive, the, the more chances they are to get super healthy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, watching that scene in Miami last night, I, I really would love to know exactly what was going on. And I'm sure we'll hear more uh, in the coming days. But, you know, that's back-to-back games where they lost. They lost at Philly without Hardman and Embiid, and then they lost to Golden State without, I think it was without Steph, Draymond, and Clay. So, that's definitely a situation to keep an eye on. They're only a game and a half now ahead of Milwaukee. So, you know, three, three it may, it, they're a game and a half ahead of Philly, Milwaukee, and Boston. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, you got to wonder if they would even be disappointed if they dropped because I'm sure they want no part of Brooklyn in a 1 8 series, especially the way things are going. Like I don't so think- many other teams. I don't think you could feel comfortable dropping because I think the chance that the Nets get the seven seed are, are solid. Yeah, that's true. Although, like you said, there's, there's kind of three teams breathing down their necks. So that's right. The, 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 uh, you know, if they drop, they could drop down to four. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean that they will, but it'll be really interesting to see, how teams want to play out these last 11 games because on the one hand, yes, you can prioritize getting out of the first round and not having to play the Nets. But should that really be the priority or should the priority just be having home court advantage throughout the playoffs where you say, hey, like, if we're going to lose the Nets, we're going to lose the Nets. If that's the case, we probably would have had to play them at some point anyway. Um, so that's that's the other way to think about it is just, you know, yeah, maybe maybe we'll have to play the Nets in the first round, but I want home court advantage if we have to play the Celtics or Milwaukee in the second round. So I don't know what the strategy is there. Maybe it's a little different for each team, but um, it's got to be fun if you're Brooklyn right now watching everyone at the top of the division thinking um, no one wants us. I don't know who it's going to be, but I know some opposing coach is going to need an ambient that night as he schemes for an eight seed that's a juggernaut and favored to win the entire East. That's right. That's right. Man. Um, so as of now, on our partner FanDuel, the Nets are actually favored to win the East with this ruling. Uh, do you think that's fair? I don't. I don't. I think – I think that that probably has something to do with them not wanting to make Brooklyn a long shot and get burnt on it combined with fans putting money on Brooklyn. But I don't think you can put them ahead of Milwaukee the way they're playing right now. And as you've pointed out on numerous occasions, even if you like Brooklyn relative to any other team, you have to factor in the road they're going to have to get to the finals. They're going to have to beat an elite team every step of the way. 
They're not going to get a break in the first round with Chicago or Cleveland. So I, I think when you look at it, when you look at that, still don't know about Ben Simmons. Um, this team, they are flawed. We saw last night they're relying on guys for minutes that they definitely would rather not be. So I, I don't think you can put them as a favorite. No, I, I would have Milwaukee as a favorite right now. They're really rounding into shape. Chris Middleton has been excellent since the All-Star break. Giannis is, you know, probably probably as good of an MVP case as anyone in the league. They'll have home court. just popped up on the injury report, by the way. Don't know what that is. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Just keeping an eye on the top of the bracket, yeah. So, yeah, I would have Milwaukee as a favorite. Um, Other than that, I'm fine having Brooklyn second, I think. I I don't feel great about Philly right now. Miami, we just talked about. I'm missing I'm missing a team though. Who am I missing? Boston. Boston, right. That's the other one. Boston is just I mean, they win every game by 30 points. So, you know, <laughs> I don't even know what to make of it. <laughs> they're just they're just destroying everyone. They destroy Brooklyn. Um, a couple times, I think, yeah, I mean, they're just this look like this unbeatable juggernaut right now, which is weird because their, uh, their title odds haven't really budged for Vegas. So somehow the odds makers haven't drank the green Kool-Aid, but everyone else seems to be, uh, getting dusted by them on a nightly basis. Yeah. Nate Silver tried to warn us months ago that they were by far the title favorite that's right five five thirty eight just at the very beginning of they they've won like 23 out of 27 games or something absolutely absurd um but early early into this run um they they picked up on their differential which was the best in the east i think how they were just beating teams on a nightly basis despite having a few too many losses and now now look at them um so yeah i i guess not for nothing, you have to wonder uh, if this team had not made that trade. You think there's a little buyer's remorse? Like, you'd have G- James Harden right now with this ruling. What if you just ignored him? Even if he left you, you might win a championship right now. It's a great question. And on the other side, I wonder how hard about seeing the ruling come down. I mean, you would think that team officials and Kyrie and Durant probably said to him, hey, this is going to work itself out. I'm going to come back full time. And, you know, maybe he felt like I don't care or maybe he didn't believe it, but I do wonder now, you know, if the Nets go on to make a a run here, that'd be, that'd be tough. I can tell you, that'd be tough or hard. I can tell you that on February 8th, a couple days before the trade happened, we did feel genuine optimism that there would be a change. So I'm guessing James Harden knew that and made his mind anyway, um, because that's around when he asked. I think him you're right. So, yeah, but, I think you're right. But if you had to predict his reaction, is it possible that he sort of gulped and swallowed and said, man, the last time we saw them on March 10th, Kyrie locked me up and they destroyed us. And now he's going to be healthy and available every single game for a possible playoff series in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, you got to wonder about that. And then, like you said, on, on the Nets side, 
they're favorites essentially without James Harden. So that kind of tells you <laughs> and, tells you all you need to know. And right Shams there. is saying Ben Simmons, there's optimism he might play at all this year. Like, what does that mean? Three games in the finals? <laughs> so if you could have yeah. Harden as yeah. just your third best player, first of all, you might be a six seed. You might not be worrying about these playing scenarios. Um, but yeah, crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to know. It's, this team this year has just been. I don't remember anyone really having a season with so many kind of ups and downs and the weirdest season you know, I've ever. I can think of. It feels like it's gone on for like five years. The different iterations of this team, like Kyrie Irving's out for the year, Kyrie Irving's part time. Uh, James Harden's here. James Harden's not here. Ben Simmons has a back injury. It's just like a lifetime of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I know you're a poker player. It's almost like one of those one of those nights, one of those games where you double up, and then you and then you get a great hand the next hand. You go all in. You lose everything on the river. You buy back in. You double up again, and you leave. And you're just like, I, I don't know. I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> that could have went so many different ways. But yet here I am. With my original buy-in. <laughs> <laughs> my original buy-in, feeling pretty good about my chances if I stay. But drenched in nervous sweat from the way it played out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, before I get you out of here, I have, a, uh, I have a mailbag from a listener who says, do you think Mayor Adams made this decision by picturing himself on the parade float with the players? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, KD said the other day, I don't know. I think this guy just wants some attention. Figure that it out, certainly Eric. Be... <laughs> So getting on that float with a couple of these Yankees, I mean, that would definitely be one way to do it. Um, so I, I wouldn't rule that out. I wouldn't rule that out because I don't know. I don't know what a Nets parade would look like. I don't know if he'd be invited. And uh, frankly, I don't know if if he would want to come. So, yeah, do you think? I'm thinking, do you think Katie and Kyrie would say like, "We are so happy and grateful for you," or do you think they would say, "Yo, it's a baseball. Come on, man." <laughs> I lean towards the latter. I don't know what conversations have been had, but as we talked about last week. I think the entire spectacle of Kyrie Irving being at that game as a fan against the Knicks, the camera panning out to him every chance they get, uh, the announcers dancing around, you know, the vaccine mandate, Durant coming on after and going on, you know, that diatribe about uh, Mayor Adams. I think it was all planned. I think it was all orchestrated. And, I admit I thought it could backfire, but you know, looking now, there's probably nothing they could have done that was going to change the inevitability of this happening. But I'm guessing, long answer to your question, he's not invited. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you know, like a New Year's Eve party where you've got like a foe or an enemy, but then you all get drunk on champagne after a great success, and your your buddies. I think if if this is a float. <laughs> If this is a float <laughs> scenario, he's he's coming and he's getting a big thanks. Kyrie said, "Yeah, he Kyrie said, I can't, I can't wait to break bread with him." <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, he he's kind of like the the guy that 
you know, you're celebrating something. He comes out to the happy hour for work and you're like, ah, you know what? I'm not mad at him right me, now. Me, but if they I'm not the mad at him round, right now. If they lose in the first <laughs> round, Ben Simmons never gets out there. They think about James Harden not being here and he plays well and they're a first round bounce. Now, now you have reason to be mad all summer long at, uh, at this guy. Agreed. Agreed on all accounts. All right, Greg Dennis, thanks so much as always for joining us. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Dave. Talk to you soon. Brooklyn. Okay. Brooklyn.